Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 53rd edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is the search for White House email, a decade of discovery. We're delighted to welcome our friend, Jason Barron. Jason serves as of counsel at Drinker Biddle Wreath LLP and their information governance and e-discovery group in Washington, D.C., He's the co-chair of the Information Governance Initiative, is currently chair-elect of the D.C. Bar Litigation Section e-discovery committee, and serves on the adjunct faculty of the University of Maryland. His 34 years of public service included serving as a trial lawyer and senior counsel at the U.S. Department of Justice and as the first director of litigation at the U.S. National Archives and Records Administration. An internationally recognized speaker and writer on the subject of electronic records, Mr. Barron has been recognized by the American Lawyer Magazine as a trailblazer in e-discovery. In its August 2013 issue of the top 50 big law innovators of the past 50 years, he was the 2013 recipient of the Federal Bar Association's Justice Tom C. Clark Outstanding Government Lawyer Award. Thanks for being here, Jason. Hey, delighted to be here. Well, Jason, I didn't hear about the subject of this podcast until fairly recently, and I think there's a lot of folks who don't know about it. So can you tell us something about Joe Luby's documentary called The Decade of Discovery and your role in it? Uh, sure, Sharon. This has been a wonderful project to be part of, and I'm I'm very honored that um, I got to be part of Joe's film. The documentary is really uh, a two stories. One is sort of a story of how we went about searching for White House email uh, in connection with, first, the uh, the big uh, U.S. versus Philip Morris uh, tobacco uh, lawsuit that was brought by the Clinton Justice Department. So there were issues about searching for email that uh, vexed me in the early 2000s, and I talk about that in the film. The other theme that Joe explores at length is uh, the uh, emergence of uh, the Sedona Conference as a think tank and as a forum for discussion about cooperation in e-discovery and the work of the late Richard Brayman uh, as uh, the lead uh, for uh, that effort. And so uh, Richard was interviewed in 2013, and other federal judges that are prominent in the space, uh, including uh, Judge Fasciola, Judge Francis, Judge Grimm, um, Judge Shenlin, uh, Judge Nolan, and Judge Waxey, uh, appear in the film, along with some other uh, prominent e-discovery lawyers, to talk about both e-discovery issues and uh, to kind of fill in from where my role in the film is talking mostly about open government and record keeping at the White House and how the discovery issues played out in that forum. So it's just you know, sort of 63 minutes with uh, 
with uh, a lot of uh, uh, interesting vignettes along the way. It's not just talking heads. It's, uh, it's filled with things like smoking guns and cars going off cliffs and uh, <laughs> Ollie North testifying in the Iran-Contra hearings and other kind of cool stuff. So it's, it's really a neat film. Well, that's quite a cast that you uh, described there, you know, as well, Jason. But can you tell our listeners a little bit about who is Joe Luby and, and why did he make this film? Well, Joe is a great friend of mine and obviously more of a friend after this experience. Uh, Joe is, uh, he has a wonderful background. He has served as uh, in the U.S. Navy's Judge Advocate General Corps. He practiced as an environmental enforcement attorney for New York State. He was a founder of the forensic technology practice at Deloitte and FTI, and he left uh, FTI in 2013 to pursue his dream, which is to be a filmmaker. This is the first of, of what I hope will be a number of films coming from Joe. He named his film production company called Tenth Mountain Films in honor of his father, who served in the Tenth Mountain Division and uh, was a U.S. Army ski patrol uh, person that fought in World War II. So uh, Joe has been, um, you know, at this for the past year, and uh, the film is his uh, first, and he's uh, he's just delighted at the reception that it's gotten. Well, that's an exciting adventure. I'm kind of glad we get to meet Joe uh, in the not-too-distant future here. Um, you talk, Jason, about dark data in the documentary, and although everybody on this phone knows what dark data is, I don't think most of our listeners do. So can, can you explain what the term means? Well, what I uh, mean by dark data is that we are living increasingly in a big data and a digital world where everything we create virtually is it starts out in electronic form. The issue that the film raises and what I've been speaking about for a number of years is how do we provide access to all of this data? As we go digital, we're actually in some ways finding it to be more difficult to open up vast amounts of government records uh, immediately uh, under FOIA under the Freedom of Information Act, and ultimately as public records of the archives. Now, remember that the National Archives is filled with records that are permanently valuable. They've been appraised as permanently valuable. So what I raise in the film is, well, how do we open them up? Um, how long does it take to open up public records? Well, turns out it's 75 years is the default, um, unless there are specific reasons to open them up earlier. No one can page through a billion emails. It's just too much. So we need software, and we need, we need better ways of getting at uh, opening up, shedding light on public records in particular that are kept for many, many decades and uh, presumptively permanent in nature. It's a different issue than the private sector has. The private sector increasingly needs to um, uh, provide access uh, to uh, uh, parts of their uh, digital world, but not under the same regimes under the FOIA and under the Federal Records Act as the uh, public sector. And so it's a unique issue, and it's a very difficult issue, a vexing one for the National Arts. Jason, can you tell us about what lessons are to be drawn about open government and from what uh, is depicted in the film? Well, the film uh, suggests that we, we really do need to have a, uh, a better conversation about this. Um, I think there is a, an opportunity provided by what um, 
some of us know is the Archivist Directive, which is a managing government records directive that was put out by the Archivist of the United States in 2012 to uh, better fund and better uh, employ uh, these new techniques uh, in terms of software and technology to preserve digital information and to make it accessible. And there's a mandate that by 2019, uh, the end of 2019, that the archives has said to all federal agencies they must provide all of their permanent records to the archives on a day-forward basis after 2019 in electronic or digital form. But, of course, be careful what you wish for. Um, the, uh, the deluge that may be coming after 2019 needs to be accommodated by uh, very uh, sophisticated means of providing access to that data. So the film touches on this, and it's something that I've devoted a great deal of time thinking about, that we need to figure out better mechanisms to redact uh, PII and PHI, that means personally identifiable information or personal health information, and other um, parts of records which make them uh, presumptively unavailable just out of the gate. And once you interpose those kind of restrictions on public records that they have to be filtered, well, we need a better way of filtering. Otherwise, billions of digital objects are going to sit in the dark, um, and we need to do something about it. And so the film raises all these issues very well. Well, that sounds like a uh, pretty severe challenge. Uh, As I mentioned, I have not yet met Mr. Luby. I've not yet seen the film, although I know we will see it shortly with you, Jason. Um, But the film does cover the decade of discovery, primarily between 2002 and 2012. Does the film accurately portray or predict what is happening in the e-discovery world right now? Uh, Absolutely. What the film uh, traces is the evolution in thinking between where we started with manual search and keyword search and went on to what is now known as predictive coding or technology-assisted review. And towards the end of the film, these techniques are explained at some length. Uh, Cases are mentioned. And what we see now is really a cottage industry of predictive coding or technology-assisted review cases where more and more courts every day are confronting the fact that in large lawsuits, the parties really need... Um, to employ automated software techniques to handle the you know the amount of data that exists, the amount of records that are involved, the amount of evidence in the case, and so um, the film is a pointing is is really pointing towards the future and saying um, and and there are judges in the film that are speaking you know what, they're speculating what would what is law going to be like to be practiced 50 years from now, and the answer is that we all have to use means of artificial intelligence and machine learning in new and different ways. We're all in a world of big data. There, you know, It's now 2015. We're not in 1960 or 1980 or 2000 anymore. We are well into the 21st century, and so we need to embrace uh, really what's happening now. Technology is moving. It's accelerating very fast in the space. Uh, technology-assisted review is the hot topic in e-discovery. What... Um, I'm trying to do is also sort of positize for a larger information governance space, and we can talk about that. Um, the film points to the future and and talks about um, uh, where uh, the uh, where legal practice might be 30 or 50 years from now. Jason, you're you're associated with the emerging field of information governance. Can can you define what that phrase means and and why the subject is is so important? This is a uh, 
is something that I'm very much enthusiastic about. Um, information governance, a shorthand definition of it is the activities and technologies that organizations employ to maximize the value of their information while minimizing associated risks and costs. That's the one-sentence elevator pitch that we at this uh, initiative that I'm part of, the Information Governance Initiative, uh, believe uh, captures the essence of it. And it's really, it's not just records management and it's not e-discovery. It's not any one thing. It is a set of techniques and also a set of sort of policy prescriptions where in the C-suite, in a corporate suite, there, there needs to be a champion. There needs to be someone who's paying attention to data and uh, how to manage it uh, throughout its life cycle and for all of its purposes. And that brings in such issues as privacy and security uh, that have been so much in the news, as well as e-discovery and access and record-keeping. If you bundle it all up, somebody needs to be paying attention to the cross-cutting issues in the space, and that's what information governance is all about, and it's an emerging discipline that we uh, think is going to uh, be, you know, ever larger as more information, as as data essentially doubles every two to three years. Hmm. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick commercial break. Well, this is normally the spot in our show where we hear words from our sponsors. This potentially represents a unique opportunity for you. Digital Detectives is seeking sponsors. You can hear your advertisement right here. If you're interested, contact the team at Legal Talk Network at info at legaltalknetwork.com. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is the search for White House email, a decade of discovery. Our guest is Jason Barron, who serves as of counsel at Drinker Biddle Wreath LLP in their information governance and e-discovery group in Washington, D.C. Jason, we're now living in a post-Snowden, post-Sony world. What does information governance bring to the vexing issues of cybersecurity threats and threats to the invasion of privacy? Yeah, uh, we definitely are. Uh, post-Snowden and post-Sony. Uh, 2015 is uh, sort of the year of the data breach and everyone understanding that they're just, you know, uh, the next target um, if they're a big corporate entity. And uh, there needs to be a public-private initiative, I think, in this country where we focus on those issues. Where I think information governance uh, plays a role is that um, in securing the borders uh, so that any given institution is not hacked. We need to pay attention to the data that's inside the borders. So it's it's necessary but not sufficient. We need to make sure that emails and other forms of records that are routinely preserved in institutions in large numbers um, are properly managed so as to make it more difficult to have the kind of scandals and embarrassment that uh, we've seen uh, in recent headlines. It's a very difficult um, proposition to stop hacking in the world, and I'm not suggesting that just greater attention by the C-suite is alone going to do it. But I think there's... um, there's an opportunity here to elevate all of the issues about data within corporations, within institutions, public and private, to have a conversation that's really cross-disciplinary, that it's not just 
siloed, that it's not that the information security officer or the cyber security czar is talking only to his or her own people. Uh, we need to have chief privacy officers, we need to have chief legal counsel, we need chief financial officers and others in the C-suite involved in conversations and to really do a risk mitigation exercise and to see what can occur. There are organizations that I know of that have global heads of e-discovery. The Information Governance Initiative, which is the think tank that I'm very pleased to be a part of, is sponsoring a summit uh, on May 20th and 21st in Chicago about uh, the new position of a CIGO, a Chief Information Governance Officer. But regardless of the semantics involved, uh, this is a a very uh, important topic, and it would be unfortunate if the discussion was solely limited to cybersecurity and privacy without embracing the sort of larger world of what are we doing with our data, our legacy data, and how can we categorize it for the future more efficiently. So that's where we're coming from in the IGI and from my own uh, perspective. Jason, earlier you mentioned the the late Richard Brayman, the founder of the Sedona Conference. What, What do you think his most lasting accomplishments were? Well, I've written about this on the IGI blog. I encourage people to look at what I said at his memorial service. Uh, first of all, I cherish the fact that I had the opportunity to uh, to uh, spend a day with Richard uh, doing um, the Q&As that formed the basis of this film with Joe. Joe invited me out to basically interview Richard with him, and that was the last time I saw Richard. Um, he passed away in 2014 after a long illness, um, and uh, Richard founded the Sedona Conference, but what he, his real, his enormous contribution in the space, other than giving us all a platform to discuss these issues, is to push out something called the uh, Cooperation Proclamation. It's a document that 150 judges have signed that uh, is cited to routinely in the legal case law. It has changed the culture of the law by emphasizing the need for early discussions on technology issues uh, between opposing counsel. Some people only pay lip service to it, but everybody acknowledges that the uh, cooperation proclamation is an, is an aspirational goal, um, that we should do a better job of talking to each other early because we need to preserve electronic evidence early. And he is uh, his dedication to this is shown in the film. The film actually shows the moment uh, where Richard got religion on this top by being asked by Arthur Miller, a uh, professor at Harvard and NYU, uh, a question, and Richard said, we need to cooperate more, and Professor Miller said, oh, well, we'll get back to that utopian notion in just a moment, or whatever. And uh, and Richard had a burr in his saddle. He took that as a challenge, and he did something that has changed the culture, and as of this next year, when the rules are adopted, the new revisions to the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, Rule 1 of the, of the Federal Rules will expressly talk about cooperation among parties uh, in the rule and in the advisory notes. And so it is a, a testament to Richard's drive on this subject that he really has done something important in the space. Well, we certainly agree with that and certainly honor his memory. The, this film, of course, has gotten a lot of great reviews. Can can you tell us where it's been shown and where your jet-setting travel plans for 2015 are going to take the film around the United States and the world? I hear you have quite a schedule. Well, uh, I thanks, Sharon. I uh, am quite honored to be part of this. If the film accurately depicted all the people 
in the e-discovery space that had made major contributions. It would be like a Ken Burns documentary over seven days. But uh, <laughs> the, the film is being shown um, uh, in a number of law school venues. Um, it has, and it will continue to be uh, throughout this year. This is a great uh, platform for for getting younger individuals excited about the field of e-discovery, and I do what I can on my sort of evangelical soapbox to uh, to say to people that in a cold market, being an expert, uh, a SME as we call them, subject matter expert in e-discovery, is uh, a good ticket uh, for um, for finding or landing a job. Uh, uh, secondly, it is being shown in other places. Bloomberg BNA did a six. Uh, city tour. I think they're committed to doing uh, other screenings. And I have been invited to such far-flung places as Paris and London and Amsterdam and Zurich and and will be delighted to go elsewhere to sort of plant the flag uh, to to have this film, which I think is an important work by Joe Luby to be shown, um, and uh, foster a conversation in a lot of places about uh, U.S. litigation and what it means and and uh, where we all are going in the legal space. And so I'm just delighted to have that opportunity, and uh, and I intend to, uh, to keep traveling. Well, finally, Jason, can you tell our, our audience members more about how they can attend these screenings of, of the film and how they can get more information about it? Well, the next uh, major screening is at the National Archives on January 27th at 7 p.m. It's a free event, a public event, and everyone listening uh, should just walk into the National Archives in the McGowan Theater, come in on the Constitution Avenue side, and uh, come to the 7 p.m. showing. There'll be a panel discussion. The Archivist of the United States will be present, and uh, we will uh, talk about federal record keeping and open government in, in a beautiful venue. Uh, beyond that, uh, anyone here listening can go to www.tentmountainfilms. That's 10th mountainfilms.com and uh, uh, that's Joe Luby's uh, website and it lists uh, where uh, the film will be screened uh, in upcoming venues and so um, you know keep track of that and uh, of course anybody can contact me at uh, Drinker Biddle and, um, and or contact you guys and um, and you know uh, I really encourage people to come out um, all the screenings to date have been free. You can go to the website if you're a corporate entity or whatever and, and look at the FAQs for, for what uh, licensing costs. And there's also a download uh, which that Joe has made available to individuals. So uh, you can check that out uh, as well. So um, yeah, I would encourage um, people to come on out to the National Archives on January 27th. You know, I think this is the first time, Jason, that we've ever discussed a film on this podcast. (laughs) So I kind of like that we got to do that. And uh, thank you for bringing us all this wonderful information. We're really looking forward to seeing you and seeing the film very shortly. uh, And I hope some of our listeners will, will join us. But thanks very much for taking the time today to join us. Well, Sharon, John, I've always uh, valued your support. I wish you all the best. Thanks for having me. Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please review us on iTunes. And you can find more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and security services at www.senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. 
Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.